Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the full moon in the second decan of Aries. I hope that you're doing well out there. Um, please let me know where you are joining me from today uh, in the chat. Always love hearing from all of you and uh, really appreciate the community that we are building here on this channel. And otherwise, um, you all are such wonderful, intelligent people. And it's always a joy to join you every week. So I'm seeing my friend Susanna from Finland in the chat. Thank you for being here, friend, and spending your ev evening, I think, uh, with me uh, and other people that are going to be stopping in here. Um, so let me uh, give you some, let's see, oh, some Bonnie's here too. Hello, Bonnie from sunny Santa Monica. Nice to see you as well. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the full moon in Aries and welcome Tarya our Finland our Finland crew is stopping by as usual thank you friends uh, we're going to be talking about the opposition between the sun in the second decan of Libra and the moon in the second decan of Aries so this is um one where we're going to be dealing with themes of self versus the other or partnership versus um, our individual desires so we're going to kind of unpack all that of today. We're going to talk about the tarot. We're going to do our I Ching and our animal reading as we normally do. I'll break down some of the significance of all the little details that go into all of this. And we'll talk about some of the astrology that is surrounding this moon, uh, this full moon as well, including the void, of course, that's coming up later this week, which is a pretty interesting uh, phenomenon that it doesn't happen very often if you define it in the Hellenistic way, which I like to do. So we will we will explore that uh, today as well. A few more people joining in. We've got Azure from France. Welcome, friend. Lisa is here from upstate New York. <laughs> nice to see you. Uh, Tanya is here from inside the house. <laughs> nice to see you, Tanya. Um, yeah, for those of you who are a Tanya fan, such as myself, Tanya has some really interesting stuff that is coming out from her Etsy shop here. And I, I've included in the chat her Third Coast Mojo Etsy shop, as well as her Instagram that you can follow her in. Uh, she has been busy and hard at work posting her beautiful Jupiter in Pisces oils, as well as uh, Mercury in Virgo. So we've got some really tasty Jupiter and Mercury oils that are coming out here, as well as a, a fiery wall of protection Mars offering also. So check those out. Um, most of those should be live either right now or by the end of the day. We're kind of uh, taking some time off from our normal schedules to get get to a backlog of work this week. We've cleared our schedule for the void, of course, moon, <laughs> which I think I think will 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 play out to be smart moving forward. Um, but yeah, check Tanya's stuff out. It's really great. I'm I'm wearing a number of <laughs> I've layered a number of oils today. Some from from her working, some from Sphere and Sundry. I've been kind of an oil an oil magnet lately. Um, I think I'm wearing Mercury and Virgo, the straight Mercury and Virgo oil today. Uh, a Venus 
uh, in Libra oil that, that Tanya made, which is really a nice energy as well, especially as we go through Venus and Libra season. I'm wearing uh, Regulus and Denabel Getty from Sphere and Sundry. And um, yeah, I think that's that's enough. <laughs> it's, it's enough to work with in one day. Uh, but yes, check check her out. I wanted to just give her a shout out here, especially when she's here. Um, she puts a lot of effort into it and a lot of research and does her own elections um you know i i we've talked about elections but mostly it's all her and the 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 hoodoo formulations that come out of it are really cool too so there's there's um planetary elected oils and then there's hoodoo versions that are from the similar election that are really neat and, and kind of a unique spin on the planetary magic so check all that out that's my spiel for the day. Um, welcoming uh, a few mo more people here. Rachel is here. Hello, Rachel. Bonnie is joining us. Nice to see you, Bonnie. Lynn McMillan is here. Lynn, I think, I think Lynn, uh, <laughs> Lynn might be enjoying the new uh, the new offerings as well. Um, saying glad to hear Tanya is putting more things out. Looking forward to getting the Venus and Libra. Exactly, Lynn. It's on the way, <laughs> so it should be in the mail. Um, yes. How do you know which oil to choose, Lisa says. Um, that's a good question, Lisa. I think that different oils are have different purposes and what you're trying to achieve. So like, for example, I use Venus and Libra oils, especially on Venus's day, but it's even that much more effective when Venus is in Libra. Like it's, you're trying to draw down a certain energy. If you're trying to work through partnership challenges and find ways to have easy compromises, that's a great use for Venus and Libra. Whereas if you're trying to reclaim some of your personal power, you might be interested in a solar Aries oil. Um, if you're trying to create benevolence and you know, try to create from your imaginational realm and bring your dreams down to reality. Maybe that Jupiter and Pisces oil is the one for you. I'm really liking the Mercury and Virgo oil for getting things done lately. I, I tend to be a spacey, dreamy person in general, and um, the Mercury helps me focus and, and concentrate and get all of those things done. So it's really more about what you're trying to achieve. And it's all about whether it works well with your particular chart too. There's, there's, um, Tanya has a Venus and Taurus oil that, that works really well with my moon. It's in the same decan as my moon. So I wear that quite often as well. And people have, have had some really good feedback with that. That's called Green Goddess. Um, yes. And, and here's the other thing. I think if you encourage Tanya enough, she might be willing to teach uh, and do some more talks on which how, how to utilize these magical offerings. I believe she's going to be joining my friend C.V. Henriette, a.k.a. Art of the Zodiac, on an Instagram Live on the 16th of October, uh, which is a Sunday at 12 noon, if I'm correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tanya. But uh, really, just check her out. This is It's Libra season, so I'm, I'm promoting my, my lovely, lovely partner, and, and she deserves the attention. So uh, check her out. Okay, let's see. So there's a nice discussion going in the chat, and I'm going to let Tanya field some of those questions because she's here today, so you can ask her some of the questions yourself in the chat. And we're going to dive into some of this astrology here. Just one more uh, kind of like little business thing here. If you are new to the channel, um, please do me a huge favor. Like the video, 
subscribe to the channel, subscribe to my email list if you aren't already. That's a great way to get updates on when I go live. New classes I have in the offering, and I'll, I'll start to you know promote Tanya's stuff through my newsletter as well. Excuse me. So um, I also have a sale going on on the Decans of Libra webinar if you'd like to get 20% off of that for the rest of Libra season. So that'll go until about the 22nd of October. So get that while it's 20% off. You can find that in the store on my website, spencermichaud.com. And of course, I'm always available for readings. My books are open right now. If you would like some guidance through the upcoming eclipse season, which is usually a spicy one. All right. So that's what I've got as far as my business stuff here. If you'd like to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing here, you can uh, send me a super chat or a super sticker in the chat here with a little dollar sign there, or you can buy me coffee at buymeacoffee.com. I had some really generous donations last uh, week when I was doing my astrology of October, and I want to really thank you from the bottom of my heart for that and your generosity. It really does mean a lot to me, and it does really help me to do the work that I do. So thank you so much for those of you who have taken advantage of that. Okay, so seeing some awesome comments here. Uh, Xteen says, Austin Kopic has a remediation course about the proper care and feeding of a birth chart, still working my way through it. Yes, and you know, Austin and Caitlin Kopic are really great teachers of this kind of astrological magic type of experience. So they have a lot of great resources for that as well. And I'm, I'm a big fan of both of them their products, their books, all of that. So um, I think that they're an inspiration for things that I do. And I'm sure that Tanya takes some inspiration from that. So it's always great to be able to support your teachers. And, you know, there's, there's so much uh, variety and there is so much to go around that I think that we can support all these different businesses. And I think that it will be successful. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, Raven is here. Hello, Raven. Hello, Sandra. Hello, Xteen, of course. Um, Nanda Devi is here. Nice to see you. Okay. Uh, Faye is here. Nice to see you, Faye. Darren. Hello, Darren from the UK. Um, welcome, all of you. I'm, I'm so excited that you're joining me on this beautiful fall Tuesday. Okay, friends, let's look at some big picture things before we dive into some of the details. And I won't be uh, offended if you're asking Tanya questions in the chat. That's what she's here for today. Um, so what are we dealing with today? Well, we are going to be looking at a full moon on October the 9th, 2022 at 4.54 Eastern time. I'll make the appropriate adjustment for your time zone. And this is a full moon that is going to be uh well let's pull the chart up what do you say let's let's kind of just dive right into it and look at what we're looking at here so you can see the chart on the screen now october 9th 20 the 20 20 the 22 <laughs> 2022 and uh you can see the, the sun is at 16 degrees of libra uh, venus is very close and co-present uh with v with the sun at 13 degrees of libra they are coming together uh, getting closer and closer each day to eventually have a Kazemi moment at the end of the month at 29 degrees of Libra. So consider that as we move forward. Uh, the moon will be at 16 degrees of Aries in the Deccan where the sun has its exaltation. So this is a very solar Deccan that the moon is in, and it's a very Saturnian Deccan 
that the Sun and Venus are in. So the second decan of Libra is ruled by Saturn. Saturn also has its exaltation in Libra, um, whereas the Sun has its exaltation in Aries. So we're dealing with Sun-Saturn type of themes in the background of Venus versus Mars type of thing, if that makes sense. So, of course, Libra is the Venus-ruled sign and, and Aries is the Mars-ruled sign. So we do have an opposition with Jupiter uh, as well. All of the planets have been going through that opposition with Jupiter. Mercury will be making the opposition to Jupiter once again, uh, direct, um, uh, as we move forward. We do have the moon hanging out with Chiron, which is not, I don't use the asteroids too much, but when it's this close, sometimes I, I, we can bring a, a shade of meaning overlapping it. Um, so I, I think that if I were to sum up this full moon, I think that we have a decan of awareness with the sun, an awareness of our contractual binding obligations and agreements. And think about the binding nature of Saturn. Think about the the other with Venus and Libra. So the, the, the things that we're bound to with, with another that we have to make compromises for, the things that are kind of non-negotiable, like con concretizing uh, an awareness of a, of a thought or an idea and bind, being bound to it. And then we have um, Aries too, which is really about establishing our own personal sovereignty and our own world and good benevolent governess of the world that we've just conquered or you know been able to create so in the Aries story we have like a, a, a world that we want to, to dominate that we want to create we're separating from the parent plant from the parent uh, country to create our new territory or something of that nature now we're establishing our, our rule and our royal decrees on some level but this is this is going to have to be a balancing energy between our own needs and our own um, self-propelled actions and desires and our obligations to others, and that's always that's always tricky, right? We always have this um, desire to kind of just go our own way. We don't want to ask permission. Um, this our, the moon could be you know encouraging us to just do something without thinking about it, but the sun is bringing an awareness to the to the the ways that we are really having to take other people into consideration. So that's the main challenge that I see with this full moon, self versus other. The moon is also going to be ruled by Mars, which is at 22 degrees of Gemini, and it is stationing retrograde. It's not quite there yet. It's not going to be retrograde completely until the 25th, of October, I believe, is the, the date that we're looking at for Mars. But Mars is starting to slow down. We're, we're, we have Mars in a decan of Gemini that um, many authors, including Austin and T. Susan Chang, talk about um, you know, the contrast between choices. And since this is also a solar rule decan, it's like the sun shines its light and casts things into either or black or white ultimatum type of choices. Forced choice is one of the things that we may be thinking about here. Um, so there may be a, a need to make a choice um, between our own needs and the needs of another. Um, 
But I will say, be very, very careful at this full moon that you resist the urge to make uh, all or nothing ultimatums because Mars is going to be turning retrograde in a few weeks. If you try to like make a choice that is, you know, very severe, uh, you may have to back off that when Mars turns retrograde. You may reconsider or take back that judgment, which can be very embarrassing. Those of you who have made a uh, drawn a line in the sand and then later found out that you didn't have enough information or you didn't quite have all the pieces uh, have probably experienced this very humbling uh, type of event where if you, you know, when we make declarative, you know, statements that, that are hard to backtrack off of, you can really make life difficult for yourself. I've, as a Leo Ascendant, I've done this more times than I care to admit. Um, and as a Taurus moon, to be honest with you, I, I get kind of stubborn about like, uh, my first answer is usually no for, the, for things. <laughs> and then I have to like reconsider. And uh, I've learned to like take my time and really consider before I say no. And before I say yes, really, uh, also, that's very important. Yeah, Lynn's saying don't burn any bridges. It's really important during this full moon. B burning the bridge around this period of time is a, is a very, very bad idea in my opinion. Um, let's see. So just keep in mind we're also this is the last moon before eclipse season so this is kind of the last gasp of like you know being able to figure out what is what before the really big chapter marker changes are going to be coming down the road so this is an anticipatory full moon in my opinion now let's look at some other details with this we've already talked about the moon being uh, in the sign of Aries, right? So let's let's break this down. How a hopefully how a Hellenistic astrologer would do this. So we have the Moon being hosted by Mars and Aries. I'm sorry, Mars and Gemini. So providing resources. We have the Sun co-present with its ruler. Okay, co-present with its ruler. Um, let's see. How do I get rid of this? I've got some thing on the screen that I don't want. So sorry, just bear with me for a minute. Um, so we have the sun co-present with its host, Venus. Now, to me, this is a powerful position for um, a more powerful position for the sun than it would normally be during Libra season. I think this is the best possible outcome for a Libra sun that you can have is when its host is hanging out with it. Because what does Libra want more than anything else, right? Maybe a partner, maybe the other, and harmony, peace, and balance. And Venus is right there traveling with the sun saying, here, I'll help you. I will assist you. And that's that, that's those are the magic words to people with Libra placements. Oh, I'll help you. Yeah, let's do this together. So I do think that it's a it's a powerful position for the sun, even though the sun is in its fall. Um, I do think that the spirit of compromise and the spirit of finding a win win situation 
is important and I think supported, it may cause you or necessitate that you release some imagined pathways because Mars providing resources for this moon says to be able to create your own personal sovereignty, sometimes you just have to commit to something, right? There's the circling it back to the, the, where, the awareness of the sun is we have to commit to a pathway. Mars and Gemini is like, I want to pursue every pathway, but what you're going to find at this full moon is that you can't, you just can't do everything. You're going to have to sever and separate some of the options. Just be very careful when you do it, okay, without um, making it so, uh, like, like people have been saying, like, don't burn the bridge. I think that's the best summary of it. I'm going to look at the chat here, see if people are having some comments on this. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> you all are so great about comments here. Some nice conversation uh, with Tanya. Um, yes, Tanya saying, Caitlin really inspired me to marry my existing conjure practice with astrological magical timing. That's, yes, very cool. Uh, yes, I think that's what makes Tanya's offerings unique and slightly different than some other things that I've, I've seen out there is, is the, the bringing in of the the hoodoo conjure um, tradition is, um, it's really nice. It's a really nice kind of spin on something. So like I said, it's, it's, it's easy to support multiple practitioners. And I think that just as you can get a reading from a lot of different astrologers and find new perspectives, you can also support multiple uh, magical, you know, oil or, you know, I don't know what, what to call them, magic, magical product makers, uh, creators, and then find different benefits from those as well. Okay, let's see. Nandi Devi says, never promise anything when you're happy, never threaten anything when you're mad. Old Buddhist saying, yes, yes, I love that. That's a good one. Raven says, I like that both luminaries are co-present with the benefics for this lunation. That is a great point too, Raven. Um, yeah, we, we, we have some nice energy trying to help out either way, right? And, and Tanya says, the sun and Venus are just traipsing hand in hand together through, Li through Libra all season. Yes, I, I, I think so too. And I'm, I'm feeling this in my home right now. We've got a, a week off from, Tanya has a week off from work and we're kind of working together to, to kind of take care of our commitments and do things that we couldn't necessarily do on our own. Um, you know, like I, I recommended at the at my astrology of October, cleaning out your house during that that void, of course, moon, and I think that's on the docket. Uh, so, yes, the, Jupiter is definitely trying to help expand our personal sovereignty, our ability to to create our own uh, agenda and exert our will. Um, but yes, we're having to to consider how that affects all the people around us, and that's not uncommon. This is kind of life, right? It, 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 it's really, it really is about finding balance. To, to really truly have a balanced relationship, you have to take not only the other person's need and perspective into account, but your own needs. And that, that is what this moon might be saying, is that it is important to take your own needs into account without uh, utilizing or dom dominating those, having those needs dominate um, the, the conversation. Um, there's, it's always a process, isn't it? And it, there's always adjustments to be made. 
But th this Decan of Libra really speaks a lot to oaths and contracts, binding agreements, solemn vows. The vows of marriage are related to this Decan. Now, let's if we talk in even more detailed language, Venus is going to be hanging out on a fixed star called Algarab. And Algarab is the crow that was riding on the back of Hydra, the sea serpent. And you could see this in the sky. This, this story is based on where these constellations are in relationship to one another. So Corvus is on the back of, the, of Hydra, the sea serpent, and he's right next to Crater, the sacred cup of Apollo. And it, the story goes is that Apollo gave Corvus, the crow, a sacred task to fill this cup. Um, and Corvus got distracted by earthly delights, like figs, shiny objects, all, he just couldn't, he didn't finish his task. He didn't fulfill his obligation or his oath or his promise. And instead of taking responsibility for his oath and his promise, he blamed, he lied, and he blamed the, the sea serpent Hydra for just, you know, the, the distraction or for not being able to fulfill his task. So there is some, some themes with Venus being so close here on this, on this particular degree where if we're going to fulfill our agreements, we need honesty, we need to, to uh, communicate well, we need to take responsibility for our success or take responsibility if we've fallen short of the glory. Sometimes we do get distracted and we don't you know, completely fulfill every oath and obligation that we've made. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing that too often or your word doesn't mean much, but we're human, right? And we make mistakes. I think you can compound those mistakes by being dishonest. And you can create situations of stress for yourself that are difficult to keep going, right? Like when you, make, when you, when you lie to somebody about a failed obligation, there's a lot of pressure and stress to, to support the lie. And just as we've seen in the second decan of Pisces, Aletheia, truth, is able to run on well-formed legs and feet. Okay, there's a story of Prometheus about firing the two clay figures. And Aletheia was, was strong and could run and, and you know, had the, the long-term endurance. Whereas Pseudologos, falsehood, didn't have feet. And so... Uh, it can't be sustained. It can't run the distance, can't go the distance. So a lie eventually will, will be found out, and it, it won't be able to be sustained over time. And that actually can make the circumstance even more difficult to deal with than if you had originally owned up to the mistake. And I really do think that this is part of this lunation. And, you know... It, it's 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 important to you for you to to uh, have grace for other people's mistakes as well. I think this might be another part of this Mars in the third decan of Gemini, you know, kind of having a, an influence on this full moon, basically saying, "Hey, try not to execute people that are trying to own up to maybe a failed obligation, because if we do that, we might have to backtrack as well. Like, let's say you're disappointed." in someone who hasn't fulfilled a promise to you, you may be tempted to be like, just they're dead to me, right? 
And that could be a real problem as well. So I think I would advise against that also. So it's important to be honest. It's important to have grace for the failings of ourselves and of others. And it's important to see things in shades of gray. It doesn't have to be all or nothing at this full moon. I think that's another thing to think about. There is compromises to be had. Doesn't have to be all one way or the other way. For an example, I'm working through this in our house. We have some neighbor neighbors and that we share some space with, and we're having some. Uh, we always every year have a difference of opinion about decorating our space, and our taste is just very different, and we have a different way of thinking about how the space should look around this particular time of year and instead of you know getting super angry about it or having a huge blowout there's probably a compromise to be made like maybe part of the space could be decorated in one style and the other part could be decorated in a different style so that's one just small example of like how to find a compromise we're saying well maybe you can decorate this 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 porch and we can decorate this porch and, and it wouldn't, you know, it's be kind of a, yes, Tanya says spooky season has many flavors. Yes, exactly. Um, some people really like to just go all out with the, the Halloween decorations. <laughs> My personal opinion is that I, I kind of like the, the fall harvest aesthetic with like a little cleaner, um, a little bit like pumpkins and, and, you know, fall flowers rather than, you know, scary stuff. I'm not as into the scary stuff uh, or the kitschy, um, kitschy stuff. Classy, you know. But anyway, uh, some people are really into it, and and it may be different. The difference may come whether you have little ones that you're trying to you know decorate for, or whether you have more of a just a an adult type of experience at your house. There's many ways to do things, but again, there is a, a there doesn't have to be an all or nothing ultimatum. And again, I'm speaking to myself on this also. Uh, okay, so does that, I think that gives me the big broader brushstrokes of what's going on with this, this particular full moon, right? I'm looking through the chat here. Galactic Center is here. Hello, Galactic Center. I'm uh, running late. Oh no. <laughs> uh, morning errands. Yes, there are a lot of morning errands that. All of us have to do. Uh, so let's look at some other things that are going on at the same time as this full moon. A couple of things I just wanted to point out is that right before this full moon happens, let's let's back up for just a second. Yeah, Susanna says, I'm with you, Spencer. Pumpkins, candles, and flowers. Yes. Well, Susanna, it's not surprising that you and I have the same taste. <laughs> We're born like literally the same solar degree. So I think that, uh, yeah, I love your aesthetic, Susanna. I, I'm just a huge fan of your um, art and your, your flower and leaf mandal mandalas in, that I've seen on your Instagram. It's just, you should really follow Susanna on Instagram if you haven't already. I've, I can't really remember how to spell her last name, but it's P-H, like J-I-L-A, something of that nature. And... She just has created this fairy tale, beautiful, kind of Pinteresty, uh, Nordic beauty on her channel, 
And I, I just love it. I just love it so much. So I, I, I'm taking inspiration from you, Susanna. So yes, I agree. Um, but not but not everybody has the same taste, so and that's okay. It's okay to be different. So what I'm trying to show you on this this chart here is that I want to go back in time a little bit before this full moon because we're about to enter into something very interesting, and that is the the void of course moon. And this may really uh, set up the full moon that we're about to experience. So a void of course moon in the Hellenistic definition is when the moon is not making any uh, traditional aspect to a visible planet over the course of 30 degrees and across sign boundaries. So here you're seeing the moon at about 20 to 21 degrees of Aquarius. It's going to make its last aspect to Mars, a trine to Mars right here. And then it's not going to make any traditional aspects to a visible planet until it squares Mars at about 22 degrees of Pisces. Okay, so check that out. We're going to see it move through a couple days and then it's going to make that uh that trine, or I'm sorry, that square, and then it won't be void anymore, right? So that it's gonna. Here's the ending of the void. So we start the void at like 6:45 p.m. Eastern on the fifth, and then we end it in very late in the day on October the seventh. Okay, and that is that to me is gonna really set up the circumstances of this full moon. Okay, because we're gonna have a lot of time to kind of wander, <laughs> wander around. Um, before the moon becomes full. So there, I think that one thing to think about is that there may be a lot of ambiguity before the moon brings us clarity because the moon generally is like a, a collector of light of other planets to manifest on the physical realm. And when it doesn't have anything to collect, it's just kind of casting us around on this like wandering journey on some level. And I think that there may be some circumstance with either a partnership or your, your needs versus someone else's, and it's not going to be clear what the right situation is before we get to the clarity moment um, on Sunday over the weekend. So try not to get too stressed out at the end of this week leading up to the full moon and wait for the clarity to come to you. I've been really promoting the necessity during the void of course moon to clear out the clutter in your life the void of course moon generally people would advise not starting something because the traditional authors said it would nothing would come of the matter so if there's something that you don't want to commit to or whatever yeah sure say you know say oh yeah i'll do that <laughs> but don't don't give promises and don't take promises during this period of time because that could really if you do that, that could lead to a really spicy full moon experience. Let's say you sign a contract or that you t uh, make an agreement or a promise. And, and by, by the time the weekend rolls around, it might not work out. And that could really cause some, some difficult feelings on some level. So what I would suggest, the best way to use the void of course moon is releasing things that don't serve you. Learning to rest. Uh, I think that I, I did this full moon uh, podcast 
early in the week because I wanted to get all my work done while the moon was still, you know, drawing upon planetary energy. And then for the next three or four days, I'm not going to do much. I'm going to take a break. I might, might read something. I might clean out my house or hopefully Tani and I can clean the attic and the basement. But I want to get most of the important things out of the way uh, before I, you know, get to that void, of course, period of time. You know, we were also thinking about going on a trip and that it just didn't come together in time to do that. And I, and I think that hopefully we'll be able to find a compromise later with that. But uh, it's, it's just opened up our week to take a much needed break. Both Tanya and I have been talking about, we've been really grinding her at her job managing, being the, a new manager of a farmer's market and trying to learn all the ins and outs of being the boss really of, of her department now um, and how hard she works with that. And this is another reason why, you know, this, this week was good for her. She's been able to get some of her third coast mojo side hustle stuff up there, which it's, it's, it's difficult to do that when you're just busy and trying to manage a household and all of these things. Um, and I'm really proud of the efforts that she's making to, to get that out there. Again, please support her third coast mojo at, on Etsy. Um, and we've both been saying, we just need a time out to recharge the, the battery. And I think that you're going to get it this week. If you clear your schedule as much as you can, I know that not everyone can take a vacation this week. Not everyone, you know, was aware that the moon would be void. <laughs> like, and I don't think we scheduled it for this week, knowing the moon would be void. It just kind of worked out that way. Um, but for the most part, if, if you can release the pressure on yourself for the next few days, I think you're going to have a much better experience. I think that you will probably feel a lot lighter if you just use this time to just clear the decks, clear the chi in your home, get rid of the stuff that isn't serving you. Uh, don't feel like you have to force anything during this time, that you don't have to make any commitments that don't feel right. It's okay to just sit and be with yourself around this period of time. And, and again, I wanted to really focus on this void, of course, moon heading up to this, because I do think that it, it really is going to color what we're going through. Um, some nice comments in the chat here. Do, yeah. <laughs> People are talking about their own Halloween aesthetic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lynn Saturn would like real skeletons. Oh, my. That's <laughs> spicy. Skeletons holding pumpkins? Yeah, okay. So we got some, some themes of respecting death around this period of time, which I, I, I can see that. My Taurus moon is always like, oh, we need some kind of abundance. <laughs> Christopher says, I do love falling leaves, but also the moon peeking through the scary bear trees. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike Halloween completely. I just, I'm just really sensitive to, to the, the scary part of Halloween. I respect the death part. The gore part doesn't really vibe with me. I'm, I'm just not a gore person. And I don't really want to decorate my house with gore, gory images. That's uh, just not my, not my, not my thing. Um, but if it's your thing, that's fine. However you want to celebrate the season. Lynn says, we live right next to a cemetery, so we've got landscape decor nailed. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yet 
yeah, Tanya says you can get all the graveyard dirt dirt you need and have real ghost buddies. That graveyard dirt is pretty um that's good stuff for magic for for various ma magical practices, so don't discard that resource on some level. Although be respectful. You don't want to, you know, steal dirt from someone's grave. <laughs> I don't know what the ethics are around all that, but uh, Raven says, my art definitely goes to the spooky vibe of things, but I agree about not liking the kitschy stuff. I just bring out the real skulls and black candelabras. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with like gothic stuff, like classy gothic things. I just don't really like the like dollar store Halloween type stuff. That's just not my thing. Um, Susanna says, cleaning the attic and the basement sounds symbolic and magical. Yes, I do think that, that is... Yeah, we're just clearing the decks so that we have a good season coming up. Um, Christopher says, I really like Avatar, The Last Airbender. There's an episode called Zuko Alone that really hits on some of the themes of the Void of Course Moon. Ooh, that's interesting, Christopher. Maybe required viewing during the Void of Course Moon. Alley Cat is here. Hello, Alley. Uh, I don't need to de decorate with gory things. I have my cat to do that for me. <laughs> he is quite the hunter. See, yeah, I, I, I'm into that. Because if a cat brings you something, that's that cat showing its love for you. So if a cat is saying, here, here is a dead bird, you're like, oh, thank you for the present. You're such a nice cat. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to leave the bird on my front steps to step over uh, for like three weeks in a row, though. That's, that's really the difference, right? Um, it's one thing to get a little gift of a gory bird. It's another thing to have, you know, to dodge gory birds everywhere <laughs> for weeks on end. Um, Lynn says, the traditions of Samhain, and I think Samhain is the way to, to pronounce it. Some people pronounce it Samhain, but I think it's Samhain. And all hallows have more to do with honoring the dead than gory stuff. Yes, I agree. I agree 100%, Lynn, and that's, I, I'm, I'm into that. Um, I'm into ancestor honoring, and I do think that's really important during this time of year. Uh, Tanya says, we love our furry murder machines. I had a cat in the past who was absolutely the carcass artiste. <laughs> yeah. That's Georges. Yeah. Okay. So a couple other things I want to point out besides the Void of Course Moon. A couple other aspects that we'll be perfecting simultaneously before this moon so once we get past the the void of course moon on the eighth okay on the eighth you're gonna see uh pluto turning direct so this is another reason why i think that this is a great time to clean out your space because you've got pluto stationing direct on the eighth right after that vo void of course moon so to me, Pluto is going to be, it's not just like state, Pluto just says, whoops, I'm turning around. Here I am. It, Pluto is slowing down throughout this entire week to, to turn around and, and go direct. Okay. So you're going to also have a really nice trine from Mercury over the course of the week to be able to say, what stays, what goes, what, what should we get rid of? What has been buried in the basement that we don't need anymore? What emotions are buried in our in our metaphorical basements that we need to release and just let go of? So this is a great time to just take stock, to unearth anything that, that just is, might be causing some corruption 
whether it's in our actual basement or our actual attics. Uh, you could find like a leak or some mold or some crap like that that you need to fix. And that will lead to better feng shui and qi in your home. And then that will also lead to better uh, expression in your life because as within, so without, as above, so below, as in your house, in your physical house, in your mind, right? I, I find there is a lot of truth to like, cleaning your house is a, a metaphor for cleaning out, you know, your mind. And I always feel so much better when I get rid of the junk. And it's, it's true too. Like sometimes when I clear out old thoughts that I'm hanging on to, my, my physical environment starts to get more organized and, and works and functions better as well. So the, Pluto is going to be stationing direct during this time. We're also going to have a very supportive trine that's going to be happening over the course of the week to Saturn. Okay. So you can see like this is when now there is going to be a, a calasis, which is a fancy word for, for adherence when they're within three degrees with one another. Okay. Where you have this kind of like they're, they're interacting with one another. So you may be able to, to figure out what, what you need to do in a sober fashion uh, with the sun, um, sun, Saturn trine here. You're also going to see Mars making an applying square to Neptune. So that's the only thing that's going to be kind of throwing a wrench in all of this is you, you may really be ambitious about cleaning your attic or your basement. And I'm definitely thinking of myself and what I'd love to get done between now and Sunday. But Mars and Neptune are going to be uh, maybe throwing a little bit of either overwhelm, potentially being a little bit too ambitious. And Mars-Neptune aspects tend to make confused actions. Uh, sometimes they lead to a little bit of a power outage. So if that happens, again, you may have to, to temper your expectations and say, well, maybe we just get a little corner of this done rather than feeling like we have to get the whole entire house conmarried within four days, right? Because that can lead to its own challenges. But I will say sometimes things get worse before they get better as far as cleaning the house goes. Um, so those are the other aspects that I would pay attention to. Uh, Saturn stationing direct, of course, the void, of course, moon, the sun applying to a trine to Saturn, and then the Mars applying to a square to Neptune. The other thing that is kind of that I didn't really mention in my astrology of October is that within all of this, we still have a an applying square for Saturn and Uranus. The problem with this is that we're going to feel all the challenges that Saturn Uranus squares have brought us in the past, but it's not going to perfect. It's not going to come together uh, because Saturn is going to turn direct on the 23rd of October before it can become exact. That in traditional astrology, I believe in medieval astrology, is called a reformation, where it almost comes together, but then it just doesn't. So there may be some tension that you're feeling that, oh, you just want this tension to end in the, in the Aquarius and Taurus area of your life, but it, it, it might not, and it might not, the, the, the big moment that you're waiting for might not actually come to pass, the, the, the big like shocker moment. 
which is not necessarily a bad thing, then they'll start separating and then we'll be past this and we won't feel that tension as much. So that is something else I wanted to keep you abreast of uh, in this next few days. Um, let's see, chat folks. Correct pronunciation of the Gaelic, Spencer. Yes. All right, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel is, I believe, a native Irish speaker. Sawin. I think that is the, yeah. I, I, I researched this a little bit. I hope, hopefully, I, I love pronouncing things correctly. That's my Venus in, in Gemini uh, and all those Virgo planets, all my mercurial planets uh, really love when I can communicate effectively because it was such a challenge for me as a young person being able to feel understood. So, so the right pronunciations of things is always important to me. And I think that that's something is, to be honest with you, as Americans, we don't really uh, do enough. We are just like, it's, it's English. <laughs> We're just going to pronounce it the, ang the English way <laughs> with some crazy hard A accent. Every American thinks that they don't have an accent. I have a, a very Midwestern accent um, in comparative to like British English, which is a very soft A. Uh, the American, the Midwestern American A is a hard A. Eh. It's like, a, it's very brassy. And I was born in Chicago, Illinois, which has a very hard A. And I've tried to like mitigate it a little bit, but I'm sure that some for some of you British folks over there, my, the A's that I have are <laughs> a little abrasive. Um, but but yes, let's try to pronounce thing pronounce things correctly. Um, Mortal and Wild is here. Hello, Carol. Nice to see you. You won't be giving uh, my Ookie Cookie Keech designs a shout out ever then. <laughs> Oh, I'm sh I'm sure that you have some good stuff. I, you know, Carol, you have some really great um, pictures of your goth, your quote unquote goth phases. I don't know if it's a phase, if it was just your younger goth years. You should see these pictures of Carol and, and the people that she's been hanging out with. It's it's amazing. She's got the Elvira Queen of the Night vibe going on in the mid 90s. <laughs> it's really awesome. So I'll, I'll shout you out on that because it's pretty cool. Uh, creating harmony is here. It says I relate to Tanya. I have an astrology-based Etsy myself. The grind can be hard. Well, well, creating harmony. Stick a link in the chat here, and let's see what you've got. And let's let's look at your stuff. Always want to promote people doing good work out there. Um. Uh, yes, the hustle culture is real and super tiring. That, that and this is something I want people to understand is that. Oftentimes when we do things like astrology, magical workings, it is a side thing because it can be hard to get a foothold in it. I'm very fortunate that I, I'm able to do what I do full time, but I wouldn't be able to do it without the help of my partner and her amazing full time job. So I, I'm very grateful and in debt to Tanya and, and you know, her ability to have a normal nine to five. I'm I've we've had a lot of talks about this. I just I have I really struggled in the past having a, a, a quote unquote normal nine to five job. It's been very, very difficult for me. And some of that might be due to my own temperament, my own, uh, you know, I don't know, just to be honest, like maybe my own mental health struggles with with that kind of job. And uh, I'm just very, very blessed that I'm able to do this work the way that I'm doing it. And again, it would not be possible without a really super supportive partner. So I am in total gratitude and debt to her. But with the hustle culture, it is very challenging sometimes to 
have our our full-time jobs and our side hustles and we feel we can feel a lot of pressure we can feel a lot of like oh we're not we're not being successful look at how successful these other people are and um this is another thing i tell some of my students too like i've been very fortunate to have a lot of time to just do pretty much nothing but astrology for the last four to five years and there's sacrifices that have to be made to do that but it's okay if things come together a little bit slower because we we all have different challenges in our life i've basically been you know for the past past few years i've been the combination of doing this astrology and kind of the stay-at-home dad type of person uh so there's also different you know roles that we have in our households and you know there's always agreements that you're making and they can be renegotiated at any point so think about that also um alley cat says the uranus saturn aspects have been a lot for me it, it may be because i have that conjunction to the to the degree in my natal chart oh boy i'm sorry alley cat that is yeah, that's probably not a super fun one. Rachel says the Irish language is a very challenging one for pronunciation based on the spelling. So extra kudos. All right. What I do to pronounce things correctly is I go on to like Wikipedia or something like that. And I listen to a native speaker pronounce it and then I practice it. I think that part of this is supported by my work as a musician because I would that was something that I used to do to to work on my singing is I would go listen to people who I was inspired by, and then I would make adjustments in my voice to be able to do something that they could do with their voice. So using your ears rather than your eyes to pronounce things, I think is really important. It's very difficult to pronounce something that it, that you don't have a, uh, a one-to-one -one correlation within your own language. So like, for example, yeah, the Irish language has, very different syllables based on the way it's written than, than English would, um, or American English in particular. So yeah, listen and try to, to, to mimic is, is I think a great way to do this. Okay, so those are the aspects for the, the, the full moon. Really great comments. I'm really happy that you all are here with me today. Sometimes it's nice just to hang out and just chat. And we're getting back to this full moon here. We've got one chart. Um, so a couple uh, other things to think about. I'll just go over some other notes that I had written down here. Um, again, Libra 2 talks about oaths, binding contracts, giving your word. It's related to the Three of Swords card, which you see these three swords piercing a heart and rain in the background. People are kind of leery of this card when they first start studying tarot. But I do think that there's some beauty to be seen in it like it can be heartbreak if if you don't fulfill your oath or obligation but it can also you know be the binding ties of just actually being committed to a relationship and sometimes when we're not afraid to love um we will experience heartbreak because inevitably sometimes the things that we love will either pass out of our life or and a relationship will end even if it was good sometimes it can end and that's okay um and we are going to feel the pain and the sorrow, the Lord of Sorrows, what that card is called, in relationship to that. And, but but there's, many, there's been many poets that talk about it's better to have loved than lost than to never loved at all. And I, I tend to agree with that. I think that we go back to the question of essence versus form. Love is an essence. 
A relationship is a form, and sometimes the form changes. The love doesn't die, though. When someone passes away, your love for them doesn't die. It just changes form. And that's why we honor our ancestors during this period of time, because our love for them has not, not changed or has not gone away. And we need a way to express that. And we don't get to speak to their physical form anymore, but we can honor and speak to their spiritual form, their astral form, if we so choose. And I'll, I'll say that, you know, when my, my mom passed away earlier this year, um, I had some really interesting communications with her after her death. And I'm not someone who normally has that type of communication with spirit. And like, I don't hear spirit messages. I, I, I mean, I see symbols, but I don't know if I have clear audience, if that makes sense. I, I, I don't know what you would call my form of insight or intuition, but I see connections and things, clairsentience maybe. I don't know if you'd call it that. But I don't hear voices. And I had a really nice conversation with my mom via someone who does hear spirit. And it was very specific and it was very healing. Um, so again, it made me really be like, wow, I had a lot of doubts about, you know, what happens after we die. And that didn't solve all of my questions, but it definitely gave me a little bit more ability to be like, well, you know, maybe this isn't quite the end and it's just changing form. This essence is just changing form. I thought that was really interesting. So again, if you have a relationship that that goes away, the love is still there and it might find its way into a different form. It may find its way into a different relationship. It may find its way into a different passion that you have. Um, that love that is given to someone else may need to be given back to yourself on some level. So there's all sorts of ways that you can shift your experience of love in this Three of Swords card, even if you're going through uh, a painful breakup or a heartache. Now the Three of Wands, which the moon is in, is, you know, you see a figure that is seeing his ships go out to harbor or they're coming back. I don't know, it's either going out or coming back. And the, the story with Aries is talking about like, you know, breaking away from the, the parent, uh, whatever it is, the parent country, the parent, the physical parent, the parent of the, the mother of the universe, the universal womb, and becoming an individual an individual point of consciousness. And we've done the hard severing and separating in the first decade. And here in this decade, it's really about how can you manage your own world, right? How can you manage your own space? And what does it take for you to, what royal decrees, what virtues and values are really important to you? So it's important to really kind of get clear on what your values and virtues and maybe non-negotiables are and what are some of the things that you are willing to compromise on? That's another nuance with this full moon. Get clear on what you value. It will be much easier to help you find a good compromise with others when you know yourself what you're willing to do or not do. So that's, that's, I think that's another way of thinking about the decans and the two cards here. Um, you may also have to express and state your personal emotional needs to bring something into, into harmony, okay? So make sure that you are, you know, stating your own needs, your own emotional needs, what you need for security and things of that nature.
Um, oh, well, yeah, creating harmony is trying to share a link um, for Etsy. It says that links are banned in live chat. I'm sorry about that. I don't know if there's a setting I can change. That's probably generally a good thing. Um, I can share links since I'm the host, but in general, you don't want people coming in and sharing some weird, uh, harmful link that, that could compromise the integrity of the space. But Creating Harmony has an Etsy, Harmony Through Astrology. Uh, so check that out. And Tanya is saying that your shop is so cute, sending all the good vibes to you as you ride out that Mars return. Yeah, so so Creating Harmony, um, what is your name? What is your actual name? Is it, are you somebody that I know? Sometimes people have a different name in their business name, and, I, and it's somebody that I've actually had a reading with or was a student and I always like knowing who I'm talking to, <laughs> but support them if uh, you know they've got good stuff there. Um, Raven is asking, can you remind me what day the VOC starts? Raven, the VOC is going to start on October the 5th at 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time. So I think since you might be in the Central Time Zone, it'll be about 5.45 p.m. Central. And it will end at about 10.45 p.m. on Friday uh, the seventh. So you've got most of Wednesday to do stuff, but Wednesday night, you're going to start feeling like, oh, I don't want to do things. So Thursday and most of Friday are going to be space cadet days. Um, so try not to force yourself too hard during those particular times. Okay. Let's see what else I have for you. We've talked about Algarab, not getting distracted, owning and your responsibilities, not being honest being, is very important. We've talked about all the applying aspects, Saturn turning direct. The moon, you know, we haven't really talked about moon and Chiron. Chiron is an asteroid that is related to a number of things. A, a lot of, there's a lot of different themes with it. I will admit that Chiron has not been a focus of my study. But what I do know about Chiron is that it is related to a centaur that was a teacher, also a musician also a healer, uh, who sustained an uncurable wound. And the uncurable wound came, I believe, from, uh, I believe it was either from one of his own centaurs or from Her an stray arrow from Hercules or something like that. I can't remember one of those when Hercules was hanging out with them. And, uh, you know, he had to live with it for a long period of time until eventually he, he asked to trade places with Prometheus, um, to be alleviated of this uncurable wound. Um, so there may be something where we're expressing ourselves and we're trying to figure out how to establish our own personal world and values that may bring up some pain. It may be painful to, to you know, really state our own individuality and it, it may feel painful to us to make compromises too. That There could be something along with that. It also could be a very healing uh, type of experience. The the way that I used to think about Chiron before I got into traditional astrology was it's a wound that you like to teach others how to heal that is difficult for you to heal yourself. Um, you know, I have Chiron right on my moon in the 10th house. So uh, I've been trying to establish routines and harmony and, and you know, stability for people through my job. And sometimes it's hard for me to establish that for myself, right? So there's there's one example if you take it for a personal example. Um, so I guess that's another thing to consider with this. 
uh, is that that asteroid is pretty pretty close to what we're experiencing. Okay. So creating harmony is uh, Khadija. Hello, Khadija. Well, and you know we don't know each other, but now we do. And you just watch the channel a lot. Well, welcome, Khadija. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad that you are pursuing your dream, and I hope we can support you in your journey as well. Okay, so let's go through a couple of other things. Um, one of the things I have listed in my notes is that we're going to, you know, I try not to get too political on the show, and I don't want to open up a huge can of worms here, but I do feel like uh, the, the big news of the week just publicly is that the, the American Supreme Court is going to be coming back into session, and there's a lot of things on the docket that could potentially change the fabric of American life. Uh, we've already seen in the last Supreme Court uh, session that um, Roe v. Wade was changed, and that the effect that that had on a lot of women and people in general, and the laws that people are pursuing moving into election season. Um, there's been a number of other things, you know, related to the EPA and their ability to protect the environment. Um, there's a number of things on the docket coming up uh, with the new Supreme Court session, and I, and I and I say this because Libra season. We're talking about oaths and contracts, and a law is an oath and a contract. So I find it very fascinating that the Supreme Court is coming up in the news again as we're moving through Libra and a full moon. So there could be some painful things that come out of that also. One of the things I'm watching very closely is there's a voting rights case that they're taking about who gets to control uh, or have influence on on state elections, whether the state uh, judiciary is able to be a check and balance to the state legislature on on how they run their elections, which I do think it's important to keep that uh, for the integrity of our elections, so that our state legislatures who are not redrawing districts to create an unfair advantage for the party that they want to win. Um, and the judge is able to, to be a check and balance to that, and they're trying to eliminate that. Um, and that would be very detrimental to democracy in America, in my personal opinion. There's also things coming up on the docket about um, LGBTQ rights and uh, discrimination cases, uh, whether a business is able to discriminate against um, someone based on their sexual orientation. Uh, as far as like we, we saw cases with like making the wedding cake for a gay couple, I believe this is coming up in um, Colorado or something of that nature. And their ruling on that could change discrimination laws. So very big things. There's, there's, and the last one that is, it seems very important is there's a, a case coming up about clean water and how we can or cannot um, protect wetlands for development. And that's another thing that I feel very passionately about is protecting wildlife environment. So these are really important core fundamental values that the, the high court is going to be having an influence over. Um, and what do we do about this? I don't, I don't quite know yet. I think there's a wait and see kind of approach first, but, it, but then definitely I think one of the things that you can do is register to vote in your state. Make sure you're going to vote in the midterm elections, depending on what you're, what you're trying to achieve. But I do think that if 
if something crazy happens, like we saw with, um, you know, the previous session of the Supreme Court, in my opinion, it was very a very detrimental ruling to uh, to women and their bodily sovereignty. There there will be opportunities to create and restore balance through your your vote in the midterm elections. There are many uh, laws that are on the ballots that are coming up to be able to restore some of those rights uh, via the state rather than on the federal level. So I guess if that's something that is important to you, as it is to me, um, I would encourage you to make sure that you are mobilizing to get yourself to a voting place um, coming up because the, there is a midterm election on November the 8th, 2022. So again, that that's just something that's really coming into my mind that we're going to be seeing as we see a full moon in Libra. So a potential for some announcements around that court. Um, T. Susan Chang has a really interesting way of looking at the threes that I wanted to mention. She thinks she talks in her book, 36 Faces and Tarot uh, Correspondences, or what is that book? Tarot Deciphered. She has two different books where she talks about the threes related to Bina, which is the Sephira related to Saturn. So we, we go from Chokmah, which is a flash of insight and awareness in the twos, to it, it concretizing or taking shape in the threes. So I wanted to just touch on what is taking shape with these threes, with the wands and the swords. The three of wands, it, she says, drives and ambitions taking shape, the, the vision coalescing into reality after the, the conquering, right? And we, we juxtapose that with the three of swords with thoughts and conflicts taking shape, a dawning realization a thing you can't unknow, uh, a, a sober outcome. So there may be, again, there may be some ideal that we become aware of, some obligation that we become aware of that we that now that we know, well, we're bound to it, right? Um, and maybe that comes through the, the court system. Maybe that comes through your own personal life. Um, don't be surprised if there is some revelation at this weekend of, of something that is uh, you wish you could unknow it, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, yeah, there's, I'm just thinking of some things in my life that I'd, I usually am pretty open about sharing things. So there's a couple things that I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to put the, whatever person in a compromising position, but I've been going through some realizations recently with some important people to me that I wish I could kind of unknow <laughs> because it's, because it's stressful because when you have people that you care about and they're revealing painful things, it can be very, uh, you worry about them. And I think that that could be something that we are experiencing in, in this particular lunation too, is, is a thought coming to light about the difference between our values and someone else's values that we're having to kind of work through. And you're not going to be able to unknow it. You know, you're going you're gonna to have to work, work on it like Saturn requires. Okay, looking through the chat here. Um, and just to, just to round out what T. Susan Chang was saying about the threes, she says that the three of cups are emotions taking shape, uh, a community coming together with goodwill and fellowship. And that to me, it was that really spoke to me because I have the sun at, at, in the decan of cancer associated with the three of cups. And I feel like we do that here. This, is a, uh, this channel has really become a community, a fellowship where we exchange ideas, we exchange our feelings. 
Um, and that's that really warms my heart that we're, we've been able to create that. So I'm so grateful for all of you. And the three of pentacles is the three of uh, is the material resources taking shape, the ingredients becoming uh, a structure or a product, the sum becoming greater of the parts. So really, really neat way of thinking of, of the cards and the, the particular decans. And that's the second decan of Capricorn between 10 and 20 degrees of Capricorn. So we're thinking of all the 10 to 20 degrees of cardinal signs with the threes. So if you have that in your chart, think about things taking shape. So for me, I'm, I'm creating the shape of, of community, of a, an emotional container for folks through my work. But if you have uh, like a Libra sun, you're, you're creating the shape of an ideal. Um, maybe with Aries, you're creating the shape of a world for, to, to be able to uh, express yourself uh, in, in the way that is most um, a true expression of your authenticity. One little side note about that decan of Aries, it's, it's called a royal decan. And one of the reasons of, of that is because there are constellations that are projected from those ecliptical degrees out into like the, it, it's really off, kind of far off the ecliptic in this place called the, the space of immortality around the poles. And we, have, we can see in these degrees, the royal family, Cepheus, Cassiopeia, um, Andromeda, and Perseus. So all of the, those three or four um, royal family members are all sort of within these, these degrees and there's fixed stars around that. So I thought that was kind of a neat little um, nugget of information also. Okay, looking through the chat, says, 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 Ali Cat says, anyone got a chance to see Jupiter in the sky? Super bright at night right now, and the sky is just about the whole night, and in the sky, just about the whole night due to solar opposition. Ooh, that's neat. Yeah, I'd like to go check out Jupiter. Um, yeah, we just got a telescope. My dad had a telescope that was just sitting in his basement. I was like, hey, can I borrow that? And he brought us this big, huge telescope. So I hopefully we'll be able to kind of do some more sky gazing here pretty soon. Oh, Alec Yat says, with the telescope, you may even be able to see some of Jupiter's moons. That would be super fun. Yeah, we are excited. Uh, Susanna says, I saw Saturn with a telescope one very winter, cold winter night with my husband. We are both Capricorn rising. Yeah, Susanna, you know, I, a few years ago at an astrological conference, when we had a conference here in Michigan, um, we, we took a trip, I arranged a trip down the street to Eastern Michigan University to their planetarium, where they have a huge telescope there. And we were able to look at, at Saturn through the telescope and see the rings like, oh, that was really incredible. Because there's just something about like seeing the actual shape of it with your naked eye that's like, wow, that I can't believe that's real. <laughs> you know, like, we think of it as an idea on some level, but it is very humbling to, to be able to see it in, in, with the light of your own eye. Uh, yeah, Alley Cat says, yeah, uh, I also think of Bina, Bina relating to Saturn. Yeah, it is, um, that is the planet that is associated with that particular Sephira. So a good, a good, um, good catch there. Um, let's see. Yes, the second second decan of Libra is Saturn ruled by face as well. So there's the exaltation of Saturn in the sign, but it is an extra Saturnian decan. It is very much about commitment and having to do what needs to be done 
and compromise. Saturn requires compromise. A lot of times when we have to do things out of responsibility, it's not because we want to do it. It's because it's the right thing to do. So there's a lot of themes of doing the right thing in this decade that is very, very Saturnian and restoring balance through our action. Remember, there's this story of nemesis restoring right proportion, okay, like um, through uh, restoring balance to the the chaotic random distributions of fate that 2K would distribute. And nemesis is the planet or the, the deity, I would say it's not the planet, it's the deity that would restore right proportion. Many people call Saturn the planet of nemesis. So there's another tie in there also. Yes, seeing Saturn's rings is very fantastico, says Tanya. Okay. Hey, Urania Universe is here. Hello, Portia. Nice to see you, friend. Yes, I think this is a good opportunity to, to ring the bell a little bit and say, hey, if you're here and you're liking what you're hearing, please, uh, you know, you can close that chat out for one second, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. If you want to make a material donation to the work I'm doing here, uh, you can uh, hit the little dollar sign and buy me a super chat or a super sticker. You can also make a donation at buymeacoffee.com or at my Venmo if you prefer um, or PayPal, whatever it is. Uh, I will get it, and I appreciate it. If you want to support my beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews, who is here, here in the chat today, she has a an Etsy shop called Third Coast Mojo. There is a link very early in the chat if you want to check out her um, magically elected oils. There are brand new offerings up, including Jupiter and Pisces. Hopefully, Mercury and Virgo is up, and a Mars Fiery Wall of Protection herb offering. So check those out. There's a ton of Venus stuff in there right now, too. I believe there's Venus and Taurus, Venus and Pisces, Venus and Libra stuff. All are live on that channel, and it's really great stuff, and I wear it daily. There is also a wonderful friend here, um, Khadija, I believe is her name. She has a beautiful Etsy called Creating Harmony. Um, I think that is her Etsy. Support her as well. Okay, so let's start wrapping this thing up. What do you say, friends? So I'm just going to show you, we're going to, let's go forward from the moon now and we'll get to the quarter moon and just see how this might play out. So you can see as we get to um, October the 10th, Venus is going to, I'm sorry, Mercury is going to ingress into Libra. So there's October the 10th. We're going to lose some dignity with Mercury. Uh, thank you, Susanna, for that super chat. I super, I super appreciate it, and I appreciate you and your beautiful, beautiful art. Um, so Mercury is going to be moving out of its exaltation and domicile in Virgo and joining Mercury and Venus. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry getting the blood sugar starting to, to get lower here. That's why I have my fancy little protein shake next to me to get some calories in me. Okay, so Mercury will be joining Venus and the Sun in Libra. So this is instantly casting us back into the opposition between Mercury and Jupiter. So there may be some questions that come up with something that is a shared responsibility between two parties and your personal desires to want to expand your personal will and sovereignty. So make sure that you navigate that with grace when Mercury moves into Libra. You could also be questioning the fairness of something moving forward uh, as, as I was speaking about with like student loan stuff. I'm still a little 
miffed that uh, I was de-qualified, disqualified from student loan forgiveness because of a basically a technicality of who who holds my loan. Um, hopefully that will still get worked out, and uh, but we'll see. Maybe something else will come of that when Mercury changes signs. Then what we're going to be seeing is the moon heading out of bounds on the 13th, right? We have the perfection of the opposition between Mercury and Jupiter on the 2nd. I'm sorry, the, <laughs> I can't speak today. October the 12th, we get to the 13th. We've got an out of bounds moon for about four or five days. And, and we'll be seeing the sun. No, we'll be seeing Venus. This is starting to become a train wreck. I think it's because I'm hungry. We'll start to see Venus uh, making a train a, a train wreck. <laughs> Try, <laughs> sorry, folks. Now I'm getting giddy. We'll be seeing Venus making a trine to Saturn. So some of the themes that you explored with the Sun making a trine to Saturn earlier in the week, Venus, the Venus uh, ruled area of your chart, Libra and Taurus, could start to see the same uh, intellectual sobriety potentially. Okay. Yeah, Nandi Devi says Mercury shadow doing its dance. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, getting Mercury shadow dance right now. Um, so we've got a, a Venus Saturn trine that is happening on the 13th. And I went over all of this in depth in my October forecast. I just wanted to show you kind of the the gist of what's happening here. Okay, on the 16th. Mercury heads under the beams of the sun at eight degrees of Libra, and that is related to a fixed star called Diadem, who was the the queen that sacrificed her hair for the safe return of her husband from war. So there may be some kind of sacrifice for your family that you may be considering, or for your community around this period of time as Mercury becomes invisible once again. Okay, and that's going to lead us to the the quarter moon, the seventeenth. All right, so here we see the moon at about 24 degrees of Cancer, okay, and the Sun at 24 degrees of Libra. And remember these last quarter moons are sort of existential crises. They're a, a time when we're kind of changing our mind. We're trying to, to wrap up the loose ends from the previous cycle and get, get ready for the new cycle. We're trying to release stuff. So the moon is, it's funny, this one's interesting because the moon is gonna be in its own domicile while the sun is going to be at its fall, right? Um, the sun's going to be pretty close to a fixed star called Spica and, and Arcturus. They're both kind of near each other, but Spica is about a, a gift that we may be receiving. Um, the gift of knowledge, you know, physical gift, like just some help that we may be receiving potentially. Um, the, this, the moon in this third decade of Cancer is sort of kind of making us aware of themes of scarcity versus abundance. Uh, our, our cup may be overflowing and we may be trying to figure out what to do with our abundance. Maybe it would behoove you to share your abundance with others. If the sun's on spica, you may be able to restore balance and harmony by sharing your excess with others. You may be the recipient of, of some generosity from someone, um, but there may be a, a, a tension potentially between a desire for, for luxury and an ability to to maintain harmony within our lives and and to have maintenance of our commitments and our responsibilities so i would i would encourage you maybe not to overspend around this period of time um 
you know, Mars is going to turn retrograde very shortly after this. So you may make a choice on something that you're going to have to backtrack off of. Again, that's coming down the, the, the pike. Um, so that's our last quarter moon on the 17th. And uh, yeah, when you get to the 19th through the 20th, that's when the sun and Venus are going to be starting to make squares to Pluto, you know, in Capricorn. So there might be some power struggles that we see starting on the 18th, 19th, and 20th. And the sun's going to hit it first, and then Venus hits it later. And then we, on the 22nd, we have the Venus Kazemi, right? At 29 degrees, you can see that here. So some kind of potential uh, download, new start, uh, related to how we maintain our inner harmony, our inner peace in the midst of chaos, okay? So remember, a lot of inner peace comes from the inside out a lot of the times. I mean, it can work both ways, but in this particular decan, you might have to be the, the eye of the hurricane or the peace within the chaos. You don't always have to find an environment that's perfectly balanced. Sometimes just by you know, stilling your mind and meditating, you can create that peace that will then radiate out from you. Okay, so, so pay attention to that. Venus will and the sun will instantly move into Scorpio the day after that. So it's a nice time to like really like maybe have one last ability to create harmony before both of them are like, all right, now we're not as happy, <laughs> at least in Venus's case. Um, and that moves us very, very close to the um, new moon solar eclipse. So on the 23rd, Saturn's going to turn direct, and then we get to the eclipse here. Uh, and again, I've been talking about this eclipse as potentially the beginning of an end, some kind of ritualized mourning. And I will have a live stream on this. Um, I, I will probably, I have a guest in mind that I would like to schedule, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, so just be prepared that, that we're heading towards a really, uh, a chapter marker and be prepared to, to make some, to, to have some time for your feelings around this period of time. Uh, to let go of what is no longer serving you or is no longer a vital form with the key remembrance that the essence is what is eternal. The form is going to change. Some forms really need to be let go of, and that's okay. And I really think that this new moon solar eclipse with Venus here is, and the south node, there's going to be some, some sadness. There's going to be some sorrow. There's going to be some things that we're going to identify that we need to let go of. And that's okay. Maybe even it's a bad habit that we have that we want to let go of. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to die or, or something like that, but something needs to ritually pass on in our lives or pass out of our life to liberate the spirit. And then remember that five of cups card that's associated with this eclipse is really about feeling your morning, going through the morning, but then shifting towards gratitude, in my opinion you have the two cups that are still standing what resources are still available to you even though you've experienced a loss and that that little shift can make all the difference okay yeah uh Khadija says a second of fabulous before venus gets sad yes the you know rage against the dying of the light that alley cat said in a in a different chat um i think that's the vibe um raven says another question um, 
when does Pluto go direct? I thought it had already, for some reason, when I was looking at the chart, I saw it still retrograde. Pluto turns direct on the 8th of October, Raven. So right before the full moon. So we'll be experiencing that throughout. It's going to be stationing and switching directions all throughout that void, of course, moon. So that might be something else that we're feeling too, is the, the Capricorn part of your chart may be going through a real shift. Um, Alley Cat says, here on the West Coast, the Kazemi moment is Aquarius rising. So to put Saturn in the first. Hmm. Yes, that should be interesting. Susanna says, it'll be nice to get the water element back. Well, I hope so, Susanna. I'm a little bit nervous about that eclipse, especially with the moon being uh, in its fall. Careful what you wish for, I guess. Um, yeah, I like, I appreciate Scorpio season. Libra season is always a little bit difficult for me. I have Pluto in Libra, so it's always activating my Pluto. Libra season is also squared our Cancer suns, Susanna. So there's, there's always some tension. Um, I tend to be somewhat of an independent person. So feeling bound to making compromises isn't my favorite thing in the world. So yeah, I, 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 f I always do feel some relief at Scorpio season, although this is eclipse Scorpio season. So I, I'm a little bit, um, I don't know, hesitant to be like, it's going to be amazing because <laughs> I don't think it will be, unfortunately, because Mars is going to turn retrograde as well. But we can make the best of it and we can unpack it together as a community and hopefully support one another. Um, I do think that it is important to, to embrace the beauty and the social graces right now so that when things might get a little spicier in, in a Mars ruled season, that we have established some expectations and some goodwill with one another before that happens. I think that's really important between now and then. Okay, that's the astrology that I've got. Let's talk a little bit about some divination here. And thank you for all the comments and, and questions. Uh, if you have another question, feel free to pop it in the chat here. Um, yes, Urania, aka Portia, says Scorpio season is always my favorite, even when it's intense. Okay. <laughs> That's, everyone has a favorite season. I, it's not my favorite season, but I'm a Taurus moon. So <laughs> I just, I love Taurus season. And I actually really like Virgo season for some reason. I like the earthy seasons. Um, but yes, everyone can have a favorite season and no shade if that if Scorpio is your favorite one. Um, <laughs> she's laughing at me. Yeah. So you're talking to someone who's very much into growth and like birth and beauty and, and abundance. And the seasons that have to do with contraction letting go of things is not like my favorite thing in the world. So again, I'm biased. So you're, you're hearing my subjective viewpoint of coming to terms with death for a person that was pretty afraid of death for a long time. And I've really been challenged to come to terms with it in the last few years in particular. Uh, and I can see that there is beauty in it. Um, it's not the easy, it's not the most natural thing for me though, I will say. For other people, the death, the death related seasons are more, can be more natural and that's okay. Okay, Alley Cat says, traditional astrology says eclipses are fun and I time for festivals. No, <laughs> is that what they say? Um, I don't know if that's the same uh, sources that I've been reading. 
a lot of the sources I read about eclipses say that they are malefic events that spoke to uh, really intense changes in the kingdom. Uh, and if you think about this from a, a, a and I don't want to get too deep into this. I'll get I'll get into this when we when we do, when we break it down. Um, and Tanya is saying, "Look at Spencer's green clothes and decor." Yes, I'm surrounded by Venus. I'm surrounded by Taurus <laughs> energy in these, these you know heart chakra. Yeah, I love green. Green's my favorite color. Dark green is my favorite color. So if you ever buy me a gift or something, wink, wink. Like I love forest green. Uh, so what I was saying is that eclipses were were you know, being some really, some really challenging, they were thought of really challenging energy. And if you think of it from the way a traditional person would have looked at it, it's literally the two light giving planets or luminaries, the sun and the moon being swallowed up by some kind of dark force that they didn't completely understand that some of them thought was a demon that others, you know, you just thought was like a void. Um, it is, uh, it was not a, a, a time that people felt comfortable. Um, a lot of times people during those eclipses, I would not recommend like charging your crystals or going out and having some kind of huge ritual during them. You know what I do during eclipses? I shut all my blinds. I say a prayer to the the demon slayers of the Jyotisha tradition, uh, either like uh, Durga or Rahu and Ketu, I, I try to propitiate those deities. Um, I do mantra meditation and I, I try not to look at it because <laughs> I don't want it to pay attention to me, you know. Um, but other people will have other opinions and ways to deal with it. Uh, Janet is here. Janet Goodspeed, Scorpio season has balsamic moon vibes. Yes, I agree with that, Janet. And speaking of someone else who has amazing wares, ch ch check out uh, Janet's Instagram and website, um, Good Sigil. Really great stuff. Uh, Janet and I have a, have a deal to make still. So Janet, I still want to make a deal with you. Uh, but support Janet on her website, Good Sigil, with all of her great stuff. Tarot-inspired jewelry and talismanic material. It's really awesome stuff. And she's a really great friend also. Um, A's Creations is here. Hi, new on here. You have a very soothing voice. Just wanted to say thank you. Well, thank you, A's Creations. I try to keep it gentle and peaceful and Venusian. I've got a Taurus moon that you're probably hearing with the voice. I've got a very nice microphone um, that really helps and I hope is soothing. And that's the kind of vibe that I strive to create here is just a sacred sanctuary. Just a nice time to relax, uh, to not be scared by the astrology, but to find ways to, to cope with it if it's challenging and embrace it if it's positive, and just to help you navigate these waters with grace. I mean, I think that's really that's what I hope this channel is for everyone, is a little bit of an oasis during these challenging times. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so... Let me talk about, let me finish this up for you, friends. And we can spend some time together. I don't mind that. This is a, one of my, I have two heroes that I try to, the vibe I try to, um, I try to do here is the, the Bob Ross painting vibe, where I, I could just watch Bob Ross for hours. 
just painting his little trees and talking in a soothing voice. Sometimes I just, that's like a little happy place you can go to. <laughs> it's like, oh, I just sit. You wake up and you're like, oh, I've been here for an hour and a half watching this guy while I'm painting trees. It's probably the same with this channel. Oh, I've been here an hour and a half just listening to this guy talk about astrology and his food preferences <laughs> and color and aesthetic preferences. So I like Bob Ross and, and I also like Fred Rogers a lot. Um, I watched a lot of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when I was young and he just had a really soothing presence um, that made you feel safe and help you get through difficult things. He didn't shy away from difficult stuff and neither did Bob Ross, but but they they were able to bring a soothing presence to really difficult times. And I, I'm sort of thinking of myself in that triumphant, that triad. Bob Ross is a Scorpio. Fred Rogers is a Pisces, and maybe I can fill in the Cancerian end of that. <laughs> and that's that's elite company. I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to like put myself in their company, but that's that's my aspiration uh, with this channel is to to hopefully um, bring some of their essence into into our experience here. Uh, Nandi Debbie says transits are happy little accidents. Yes, yes. There you go. Very good. Very good. Um, yes, Fred Rogers. I love that documentary about him. I watched that in the theaters and was just really moved by him. Everyone's always trying to be like, oh, let's figure out what Fred Rogers' dark secrets are. And every time they do, it's, there's, I don't know, St. Rogers is something I just kind of think of with him. He's, and I'm sure everyone has their flaws, so we don't want to completely deify him, but he just seemed like a real gentle soul. And Bob Ross, on the other hand, he he had some some stuff that was going on in his life that was really really hard. He was dealing with cancer and um, also a really difficult relationship dynamic with his business. Um, and I watched a documentary about that. Really really sad, but his 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 um, shows were were really inspiring to me. Uh, oh yes, and Tanya says with a little Mark Husson. There was an astrologer, a Cancerian astrologer named Mark Husson, that used to do a call-in show on Hay House Radio that I used to really love. And he was so positive and, and like encouraging. And I'm very much inspired by the way he treated his audience as well. Okay, so let's talk about some of the last little divinatory things that we have here. The animal that I got uh, was the spider. And what a, what a beautiful animal before we... Uh, get into the spooky season, right? I'm sure you've seen some spiders out there. And Melissa Alvarez of Animal Frequency, the book that I use to pick my animals, I just kind of do a random flip, uh, talks about the creativity, uh, patience, weaving the webs of our life, resourcefulness. Spiders are very resourceful. They're, they're weaving uh, a web to be able to catch their prey that will sustain them. So there is themes of weaving the web of your life, weaving the fate of your life. Um, beginning a new creative project might be something that is well supported during this period of time. Stay honest. This was something that she really focused on not creating a web of lies, which fits in really well with Algarab, right? We need to own our responsibilities and we need to own our failings of those responsibilities if those go on too. Remember, you're, if you failed, it's okay. Um, but don't dig the hole deeper by being dishonest. Uh, it is important to not misrepresent yourself. It'll catch up with you. They also talk about in that book, the spider is 
related to toxicity. Some of them are very poisonous. And there, this may be a message to get rid of some of the toxic people in your life. You may need to cut some ties. Uh, maybe they're not, you know, all or nothing tie cutting. Like, I would be careful of that with Mars in the last second of Gemini about to retrograde, but maybe you need to set healthy boundaries with people. You know, it's there's a difference between cutting someone out of your life completely and then making a boundary with them and saying, I'm only going to go this far with this. We're only going to talk during these periods of time. I'm only going to give to this certain point. And that, that could be something that you have to examine with this. Um, sometimes it's better to spend time alone rather than with harmful people. Uh, purge the, uh, the <laughs> what does this say? I can't even read my own writing. Purge the, <laughs> I don't even know, P-A-L-G-O. Sorry, I can't even read my own damn writing. Um, purge, oh, okay. Purge the poisonous folks. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't even read that. I was writing this very fast um, before our, we got in here. So, how can you release the poisonous folks in your life? And, and I think we all need to do that to a certain degree. And maybe some parts of them may be toxic and others may not be. So, you know, this may be one of the messages of the full moon in Aries is you might have to spend some time by yourself if you're in a relationship that isn't good for you. And I, I can think of a specific um, circumstance in my own life with a person I care about quite a bit who uh, might be choosing to spend time with some toxic people from their past rather than moving on to new healthy relationships. And it's bringing me some sadness. And um, the message I have for them is, hey, it's okay to love yourself and spend time with yourself rather than you know, trying to fill the gap with the, the first person that's going to come along. So you know, consider that, right? Sometimes it's okay to be in our own space. Bring, bring back that love to the self. Uh, the hexagram that I got was number 31, which feels very Libran to me. It's called mutual influence, reciprocity, mutual attraction, courtship, wooing. And there's one changing line and it says influence in the big toe. So this changing line really speaks to the beginning of something. Uh, and, and again, Aries can talk about beginnings. Um, the beginning of a new influence or some kind of new attraction or enthusiasm or idea. But the hexagram warns of not making too big of a deal of it yet because it's only in its very, very tiny uh, beginning stages. There's much more that needs to be done to make it a reality is what the hexagram cautions. So there is uh, some kind of small stirring realization that might begin movement in a certain direction. But have patience with it, like the spider says. Start weaving your web if you're inspired. Follow your intuition. See what comes of it. You know, but but don't expect all or nothing right away. Don't expect it to be this big, huge part of your life right away. And this is moving to a hexagram number 49, which is called revolution, molting, shedding old skin, metamorphosis, transformation, out with the old. Spiders shed their exoskeletons quite often. And it, this might be a time during this void, of course, moon in particular, to shed some old skin, shed some old skeletons, get the skeletons out of the closet, put them on the porch, if that's your aesthetic, right? you know, shine them to the light of day. Um, but I think that this is a great time of transformation. And that is one of the benefits of the upcoming Scorpio season is when we release the old forms, 
it allows for maybe the higher quote unquote form of the sign, the eagle to, uh, or the phoenix. So by releasing the old form, we are able to experience a rebirth and that, that can be very healing and you know empowering as well. So think about that as we move forward with these two hexagrams and their relationship. All right, friends, and that's what I've got. I'm going to take one final look at the chat and see what we've got here. Um, yes, spider emojis. Perfect. Of course. Yes, indeed. E.K. White, Beth is asking, what are the animal card, what cards at the hour, at the hour mark? What are at the animal card at the hour mark? I'm not sure what to think of that, but I do love spider for this season. I'm not sure I completely understand the comment, Beth. Um, maybe you could clarify that in the chat. What are we? Oh, we are at the animal card at the hour mark. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I wasn't reading it properly. That's on me, not on you. Um, yes, we're getting. <laughs> yeah, this is instead of a three-hour one. We we're getting this in at the how how long have we been going here? An hour and forty-four minutes. Well, this is a we're speeding through it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, that's why I'm kind of looking through final things here. Um, so I'm looking at these final comments we have. Uh, Susanna says, I have a tarot deck where the Queen of Pentacles is the Spider Woman of the Native Americans. Ooh, interesting. That's very cool. Um, I would love to hear more about that. Uh, that's worth researching. Ace Creation says, thank you for explaining the spiders. I've been seeing a lot of spiders outside my house. Usually do not see this many in the UK, especially at this time of year. Yeah, I love spiders. I love jumping spiders. I have a lot of those little cute little jumping spiders in my house. And I just always, I'm like, oh, hey, little buddy. And I always put out little uh, paper towels with water. And I put gave one a drink the other day. Um, most spiders in your home are completely harmless. And it is very bad luck to kill a spider in your house, I think. They, they take care of all these other pests that could be even more harmful. So I think just letting them be. If there's one that's scary, it's okay to relocate it, I think. If you want to like get it in a jar and put it outside, that's okay if they're not your jam. But be kind to your spider friends. They're, they're generally good luck in your house. Um, Raven says, I love spiders. They're such a beautiful symbol. And we have a lot of wisdom and have a lot of wisdom to give if we're open to receiving. I agree. Yes, and it's nice to meet you too, creating Harmony Khadijah. Uh, and thank you, Alley Cat, for your wonderful comments and contributions today. Uh, Tanya says we got the zippy mercury back in Virgo vibes. Yes, we're we're being efficient. <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. And yes, we'll get some food here. And happy full moon to everyone. Thank you so much for supporting my beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews. Um, for those of you who missed the beginning, uh, she has some new offerings in her Third Coast Mojo Etsy shop, some Jupiter offerings, some Mercury offerings. And there's a bunch of Venus stuff going on up there. I'll put that in the chat once again if you want to check that out. Uh, and you can follow her, please do, on Instagram, Third Coast Mojo. I will put that in the chat. And please also support the other practitioners that have participated today. So that's what I've got for you. I hope that you're doing well. 
I hope that you uh, have a peaceful full moon in Libra, or in Aries, you know, opposite the Libra sun. I hope that you are able to find some rest and some peace during the upcoming void, of course, moon. And I will see you uh, the next time, I think, for the, the new moon in, in Scorpio. Or potentially we might have a live stream in the, the astrology of November before then. So please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the newsletter, support your magical and astrological practitioners, and I will see all of you the next time. Take care, my friends. Have a good one. And uh, be kind to yourself and be kind to one another. Peace.